Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to welcome everyone today in the audience and thank you for taking time to be with us. We are here to provide useful information and, and insights to help communities, companies, and nonprofit organizations get more, <clears throat> better broadband to everywhere it needs to be in America. And I want to also invite everyone to uh, the chat room, which is at the homepage for the uh, radio station, if you want to come in and you have some specific questions that you want to ask our guests today. Uh, Today's show, we are going to talk about some of the obstacles and opportunities that face uh, community broadband supporters. And as folks who follow this and have followed this for a while know, there are always political issues that are associated or or at least a peripheral part of the discussion on broadband, but when politics becomes the lead in the story, it's usually because of some major uh, opposition in the community uh, that is being instigated and led usually by incumbent telephone companies that are trying to fight or squash the efforts of communities to um, to put their own broadband into into place, or at least open up additional opportunities for broadband. Um, today, our guest is uh, coming in to talk about uh, the city of Longmont, Colorado, which is fighting actually its second battle to take back the right to determine its own broadband future. Uh, it's a battle that we will likely see hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent. A lot of claims and counterclaims are going to be flying back and forth. And you know this battle is going to be probably a very significant one. And we want to look at what it means not only for Longmont, but also for communities uh, across the U.S. My guests are two today. Uh, Vince Jordan, who's president and CEO of Ridgeview Tell, and they're an Internet communications company based in Longmont that has services and products to help build and manage networks. And Vince was a key figure uh, advancing the last uh, Longmont referendum on this rights issues two years ago, and he's back again. Welcome, Vince, to the show. Thank you, Craig. It's a pleasure to be and, here. And also uh, on, on the show today is Jonathan Rice, who is a freelance writer um, who's been in Longmont for, for a while and is familiar with the city and what's going on. And, you know, we want to get a voice of both the business community and, and just a lot of average folks kind of hang out and work in Longmont. So, Jonathan, welcome to the show as well. Thanks for having me on. And so let's get right down to it. So two years ago, Longmont put up a referendum to take back the right to make its own broadband decision. And in that ballot initiative, uh, things didn't go well. You guys did put up a good fight, but the initiative lost. Why are you back at it again? Well, I think, uh, Craig, uh, one of the main reasons we're back at it again, uh, interestingly enough, it's um, got a tie to um, Google. Um, when uh, You remember when Google was doing the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the big thing, you know, looking for the city to build the fiber in. Walmart went. Uh, I was actually part of that effort as well, and we went to great lengths to uh, attract them here, get them to take a look at Longmont, uh, consider, you know, uh, us as uh, one of the places to um, to uh, facilitate their build out. You know, with Longmont here, we were, we felt we were very unique in a number of different ways. Um, 
One is that, of course, we've already got a, a fiber optic network in town. Number two, we've got conduit to over 1,100 homes in town, and why that was important to Google is because um, – uh, they wanted to get a quick win. They wanted to be able to get people on quickly, and this would have been just very fast slam dunk. They'd have been up. And then the third is that the city of Longmont, again, is unique because um, they manage all the right-of-way in town. And anybody who's ever done anything in the uh, telecommunications industry in terms of uh, building network knows that right-of-way is probably the biggest issue that they have to deal with um, to be able to get you know from one area to another area. And we know we attracted their attention. We know they took a look at us, um, but they passed us. And uh, we did a lot to educate the community about this uh, during that period of time. And my feeling is, you know, one of the big reasons they passed is they probably looked at the state law and said, well, great. You know, the law says we can't do this with Longmont unless Longmont votes it in or we overturn the law. Too much work, too many lawyers. Let's just move on to another town and go do it someplace else. But in Going through that process, we were in the paper a lot. We were in the public a lot. We we had a satellite flyover, if you remember that. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> yeah, and they parked their cars and as Google, and we got our picture taken from, you know, 200 miles up and everything. So it was just it was great to get the word out to the community. And so the reason for going for the ballot issue a second time now is we feel like um, the the community – is better educated this time, more aware, and won't be blindsided as much as they were the last go-around. Um, the, the incumbents last time, you know, very cleverly and with a great amount of money, obfuscated the issue to the point where it was about not giving the city government a blank check to do something. Mm-hmm. It didn't even really have anything to do with telecommunications. And uh, I, I think we're going to do a better job this time, and I think the uh, community is better educated this time. It'll be much harder for those guys to um, obfuscate the issue. Right. And I will validate your your thoughts on you know why Google passed you by. Uh, the person who heads up the Google Gigabit effort was at a conference on Friday and spoke very candidly about the fact that every city in California was basically knocked from consideration by virtue of a law on the books that would have made it very cumbersome at best to try to get a broadband project moved forward. And so basically, you know, and we're, and we're talking the center of high tech and Silicon Valley and all the rest of it, but the, the legal aspects can indeed be uh, a factor. And then, in fact, you know, you and Colorado have a different set of laws. Uh, maybe it would be helpful just to give the, the listeners an idea of what, kinds of restrictions there are in in Colorado. Well, yeah, in Colorado, um so with the uh the law that's in place right now, basically it restricts the municipality from providing telecommunications services directly to businesses and residents or in partnering with somebody to um uh supply um communications telecommunications services to business or residents, so they can use it for their own use. They can use it for themselves, which they do today. One, mm-hmm. of, the, um, one of the pieces of misinformation about the uh, network here, you often hear people say, yeah, it's just sitting in the ground here, been here for you know 15 years and not doing anything. Well, well, that's not entirely true. The city's able to use it, and the city is using it to its benefit and to the citizens' benefits um, by keeping the cost down to provide those services to itself. Um, so 
So what you know what I mean by that is the city budget would be higher if they had to pay Comcast and CenturyLink and everybody else to provide the services that they can provide themselves using the fiber optic network. So they're already getting a benefit from it. Um, there's a couple of businesses that are grandfathered in that were already on the network, like the uh, Longmont Hospital, um, before the uh, that ballot, um, before that law passed in 2005. So they're getting the benefit of lower costs as well. So the city's running it, they're using it, it's working, and they're able to benefit from it. But the citizens in the community cannot directly benefit from it, including the businesses, um, because of the law that was passed in 2005. Interesting. So now what does the the, the referendum say exactly? I can read that if you'd like. No, please, go ahead. Okay, so ballot question 2A. Now, th this is really important, the way this starts out. It's, it starts out with these three words, without increasing taxes, because the last time um, this ballot issue went out, it didn't have those words in it anywhere, and the uh, the guys that were fighting us used that as, as their main stick, uh, if you will, to um, mm -hmm. beat the citizens into submission to vote their way. So, so the ballot issue starts out with, without increasing taxes, shall the citizens of the city of Longmont, Colorado, reestablish their city's right to provide all services restricted since 2005 by Title 29, Article 27 of the Colorado Revised Statutes, described as advanced services, telecommunication services, and cable television services, including any new and improved high bandwidth services based on future technologies, utilizing community-owned infrastructure, including but not limited to the existing fiber optic network, either directly or indirectly with public or private sector partners, to potential subscribers that may, may include telecommunication service providers, residential or commercial users within the city and the service area of the city's electric utility enterprise. So, in essence, you are looking not to build – so the referendum isn't about a specific network. It is about having the option to uh, choose whatever the best solution is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and again, you know, part of the language says either directly or indirectly with public or private sector partners. So the city, for the longest time since this, this network has been built – has been courting, you know, uh, service providers, Comcast, Level 3, uh, Quest, before they were CenturyLink, to utilize the network. Uh, there's a lot of cap capacity available here, and it goes everywhere those guys want to go. And, and to this date, they've all declined to partner up with the city. In fact, what they often do is build right over the top of that existing network, put in their own stuff, which is just ridiculous. And, of course, they, you know, they, they pass those costs on to uh, the businesses who end up, you know, utilizing those networks. Mm -hmm. So it's about using the existing network, but also partnering, you know, either directly or indirectly with public or private sector partners. So, I mean, they're they're really opening it up to everybody and anybody that wants to play. Right, and that makes a lot of sense. So, um, <clears throat> Jonathan, just coming from the perspective of you know, citizen, uh, general user, why is this important to you? Well, you know, it's um, the, what I like to focus on here is the human element of what could actually happen if this measure passes. 
Um, Vince is absolutely right about Google. Um, you know, we had the opportunity as a city to attract an anchor company to um, our high-tech environment, our high-tech employment workforce. I mean, 52% of the people of employed in, in Longmont are employed in high-tech industries. So high-tech is absolutely critical to our economy. If Google had come here, if they had chosen to be in Longmont, uh, we could have looked to, for dozens, perhaps hundreds of jobs. We would have looked to other companies saying, well, Google wants to be in this, in this, uh, in this town. We want to be in this town too. So um, the first impact, I think, that this will have on, on Longmont specifically is in jobs. Um, it's almost a, ma a macrocosm for the, for the national economy. Uh, we're trying to create higher paid, better jobs um, in green energy, solar energy, and high tech well, this was an opportunity that we lost because mm -hmm. of this law. I think the second thing that um, really um, uh, is kind of part of the human impact is that our, our existing businesses already benefit from some of the lowest cost energy provided by the city. We own our own power grid. Um, and that means that we can, pro we can provide a competitive edge to our businesses already with that. Now, if you can imagine providing that same competitive competitive edge with uh, internet services, with um, you know cable television services if necessary, then once it, and especially when you get to you know big employers like Storage Tech or you know the the kind of employers who who've been attracted to Longmont over the over the years like uh, IBM, um, these kind of uh, employers require bandwidth. And again, you know, we get these people in, we give them a better competitive edge, and we create jobs. Then there's, I guess, two slightly more, uh, I guess you could call them slightly more selfish reasons that I, I, I'm very keen for us to do this. I mean, first of all, if you have more competition, and that's what, that's what Vince is talking about, you have more competition between private and uh, public sector partners to deliver high-speed internet, to deliver cable television, then you're going to drive down price. You're also going to increase, uh, increase choice for the consumer. And both of those things are good for people. They may not be good for Comcast, they may not be good for CenturyLink, but they're good for people, they're good for the citizens of Longmont. And I guess the final thing um, is really just uh, uh, kind of very important to me, and I think it's uh, important to a lot of the people who are behind this fight to pass this initiative, is that the city, if able to provide these services, will be a non-profit provider. It won't have to make money, and so it will be able to provide tiered services that will enable people who are not currently online because of cost or because they've been overlooked somehow by the, by the traditional cable companies, will enable those people to get online and create a more uh, equal, a more um, diverse society of people on, online within Longmont. And I think that's the right thing to do. Right, okay. And uh, and you've you've been there. You said about six years. So you've had a good opportunity to kind of see the workings and the dynamics of all of these various entities. I mean, the private sector and the you know the, your nonprofits and the local government at work and so forth. How important, you know, on a scale of one to ten, would you would you put broadband? I think it's right up there as probably a nine. Um, Let's, let's face it, the, the, this is the future of Longmont. This isn't the past. This is the future. Broadband is the future for, for communities across the entire nation. We were right up there 13 years ago um, as, one of the most, as one of the first 
pounds to implement a, a high-speed fiber optic ring. Now, if we had taken that competitive advantage and had been using it for the last 13 years, Longmont wouldn't be a town of 86,000 people. It would be a town of 200,000 people. Um, we would be one of the hubs of technology in, in the state of Colorado. So I, I, I think that it's, it's absolutely critical to our success, I think uh, specifically in terms of growth and economic opportunity. Definitely uh, is a pattern that I see in other, other communities as well. So now if this referendum passes, as a practical matter, what should citizens expect as the next steps? You know, you know your, your, your post-election day, the referendum passes, it's not a it's not a valid measure for a specific network. So what exactly will will happen? Well, I think the the first thing that's going to happen is before election day, and that's going to be they're going to be bombarded by uh robocalls from various uh industry groups, uh by direct mail, by ads in the paper, and they're going to probably try the same tactic, tactics that they tried last time, which are essentially trying to scare the citizens into not doing this. I think that's the first thing that you can expect. But I think the, the second thing you can, you can expect is that the city itself has pledged that it won't be making these decisions without consultation with the citizenry. So these, you know, when we actually talk about creating partnerships and creating um, opportunities to, to go forward with new and, you know, new partners, creating choice, creating competition, that's something that the city is still going to be in, in touch with us about. It's not just going to suddenly up and say, okay, we've chosen a partner, we're off, we're done. It's going to be a process where the citizens will still have an opportunity to be involved. Okay, so it's just, it's, this is really the beginning of a process. It's not the end in itself. Yeah, no, and I don't think. Yeah, I'm sorry, Vince. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that, that that's absolutely correct, and and the city's been really, you know, um, open about that as well. This is just. Um, this is just to get the right to explore what can be done with an asset the city already owns. And all of that would be done in the open, in open forums, and open discussions, study sessions, like the council does everything else, discussions with the community, if the city's going to do something, if it's going to be with a partner who's just going to lease the lines, the, the city and the citizens benefit right off the bat. You get somebody else that comes in here providing service on a low-cost infrastructure in partnership with the city, which means the city gets revenue off of it as well. So any business that gets on it is is funneling it back in um, to this community. But this is really just the beginning of the process. There was a... Um, a gentleman who wrote in on the uh, Times call uh, over the weekend and saying, I want to see a business plan and I want to see what the city's going to do and all that. Well, it's crazy to spend city dollars and city resources right now to generate a business plan for this thing when right now the law says you can't. You can't do right. anything with it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that argument doesn't hold water. And we've heard that a number of times as well. That's one of the other arguments besides, you know, everybody fails doing this is people go, well, we want to see the specific business plan. So you're telling me you want me to spend city dollars and city resources right now to develop a business plan for this thing when right now the law says I can't do anything. That doesn't but unless the sense. citizens pass the referendum or pass whatever vote That'll take place. around. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Gotcha. So now in a year or two, um, assuming the referendum uh, passes, what kinds of impact – Again, might the the citizens expect uh, down down the road? 
Vince, do you want to take that? And I'll, yeah. and I'll talk about the human impact in a moment. Yeah, sure, sure. Craig, hit me with that again. So down the road, two years, okay, so, you know, assuming the, the ballot measure gets passed, a year or two years down the road, what should we or what should the citizens expect to see as a result of oh. this? Well, I think a year or, two, or you know a year or two down the road, I would expect the citizens of Longmont to see two things. Number one, um, at least another provider, if not a number of them, uh, in town providing very high-speed broadband uh, because this is a gigabit fiber network, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that could be lit up here. Um, so very high-speed broadband uh, available to them at very reasonable cost because again, you know, the city's going to be setting. Um, those costs to the provider, whether it's the city themselves or uh, third-party providers. And um, the other thing that the citizens will see is increased revenue flow uh, to the city budget, to the, to, to the city coffers, if you will, because the, you know the city's not going to do this for free. Um, they will be making money doing this, which is just going to help this community. Budgets are tied everywhere. Um, you know, everybody's struggling right now with this economy, and this is a way to use an already built-for operating asset to generate additional revenue for the city. So I think the citizens here, a year or two years down the road, are going to see those two things, at least another provider, higher speeds, lower costs, and uh, an additional benefit to the city city budget, you know, being uh, uh, generating additional revenue that doesn't come from taxes but comes from actually business. Okay, so so basically we're looking at two significant uh, impact areas there, in, in the sense of competition, lower costs, lower cost, and then also whatever revenue that the network generates as a as a um, a functioning revenue generating asset. Correct. And then Jonathan, you had a you had a perspective from the from the human yeah, side. Yeah, I. I Again, I, I just like to think, okay, I'm a consumer. Um, what does this really mean to me? Um, okay, so the fiber optic ring is lit up, so what? So I'm thinking, okay, how does that specifically affect me? And the way it affects me is next time I turn on Netflix and I decide I want to get my my streaming video or I turn on my Hulu or something like that, instead of having a jittery picture that drops out and sound that drops out, I've suddenly got myself a fully functioning uh, Amazon or Netflix on-demand movie service. I've got TV when I want it. Um, I've got the, basically the future of of, uh, of media right there on my computer. And you can understand at that point when you when you think about that, that's when you understand why Comcast and their buddies are so upset about this. Right. Because how come? Why do you need Comcast if you can get high-quality streaming video directly to your TV? And Vince and I, we talked about this earlier about, um, you know, is this a national issue? You know, uh, in some respects, I'm taking it to a national audience. And on our um, Facebook site for Communities United for Broadband, you know, we we talk about various issues. But, you know, do you guys see this as a, you know, having some sort of national implication? No, I yeah, I certainly do. I mean, there's you know, Colorado is not the only uh, state um, with this law in place. I forget what the number is, Craig, but I want to about say about eighteen, about eighteen states, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this battle last time wasn't fought in a uh, bubble. Uh, I'm sure it won't be fought 
in a bubble this time. Uh, you know, thanks to you and, and other folks that, you know, we're working with through you and with you, um, the word gets out about what we're doing here. And, you know, I think a lot of municipalities um, would fight this if they thought they could win, and I think more uh, more times when we win than lose, like we lost last time, you know, this this is going to get start to get real expensive for uh, the big cable company and the big uh, phone companies that want to fight this uh, issue because I think more and more municipalities are going to go, hey, well, those guys got it passed. I mean, it took them two times, but they got it passed. And look at what's happening in their community. Look what's, you know, look what the benefit has been to it. Maybe it's time for us to get this overthrown as well. Um, this is going to end up costing. I think it definitely has national implications, and I think it's going to end up costing uh, the big guys a whole bunch of money uh, to fight mm -hmm. this around the country. So now let's uh, shift for a little bit here. One of the things I want to try to put this in, since we're talking about a, a national context, is to look at what's going on in some other communities that have uh, broadband networks and how some of what other folks are doing might play out in um, in, in Longmont. So I'll start with um, Chattanooga. Chattanooga is one of my great stories on, on broadband. Uh, in their particular case, the utility runs the network. And what's interesting about them is that um, some people look at energy management sort of in isolation. You know, if you run an energy management better, it saves money for the utilities, it saves money for uh, users. In Chattanooga, they look at, at the smart grid as an economic development tool because there are millions of dollars collectively that the business community either loses or saves depending on how effectively that electricity grid, that electricity business is run. Is it possible that um, Longmont would step up its game in the smart grid area? I don't know how aggressively they use it for that purpose currently, but is, is it possible that we would see or that Longmont constituents would see uh, some changes or enhancements to the smart grid there? So Longmont um, actually, <laughs> interesting, was using their fiber optic network to do uh, smart grid type um, activities before anybody was even talking about smart, smart grid. You know, if, if, if you spend enough time in this town and you go back far enough in history and look at us, you, you will see that uh, this town are innovators on top of innovators. I mean, we're building our own fiber optic network before anybody's talking about building their own fiber optic network. And the city's been using it um, uh, for smart grid uh, activities um, already, and they are already they, they are free to expand doing those types of things. But they can't partner with somebody right now to do those types of things. And I think you probably would see um, it become more prolific uh, here in the city um, if this referendum pe um, passes. Good. Well, I, I can see I can see some definite. Uh upside there. Now, another thing that Chattanooga does, um, a number of folks that have fiber networks are actually starting to realize, is that they can create a fairly robust mesh network riding on top of the fiber. I think in, in Chattanooga they said they get about 15 megs up and down. I have, probably should ver verify that, but it's a fairly significant number, especially when we consider how, how fast we get service over like cellular wireless. And Whatever happened to Longmont's wireless uh, initiative or network, and is it possible that that will come back into play if this referendum passes? Well, 
you know, the wireless network here in Longmont um, was up and running before the um, uh, the law got passed, and so it was kind of grandfathered in um, to being able to utilize. It does utilize uh, the city's fiber optic network right now, um, but but it, can, it only has access to two fibers. Um, if we wanted more, that would be very challenging uh, because the law would probably keep us from getting any more. So in terms of being able to expand the capacity on the thing, uh, expand where it goes, the law kind of shuts that down. But what's already here is operating. So if the referendum did pass, it would make it a lot easier to you know, broaden this thing, uh, do more with it, uh, add additional capacity to it. Uh, than what can happen today. So right now it, it's kind of you know frozen in the state that it's in. The referendum would uh, allow for it to uh, grow and uh, also provide a, a larger capacity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another another city that's in this uh, in this space is Santa Monica, who I actually consider to be fairly similar to Longmont, both in terms of size and, and population. And uh, one of the applications that they do well. Let me give you a little bit of back history here. So, um, Santa Monica started with their own uh, fiber infrastructure that they had some dark fiber, and they upgraded that uh, for for sti- for city use. And then they went out to different uh, businesses and this, you know to see who needed uh, dark fiber services and weren't getting it from somewhere else, and they provided those. And they started creating and building the the network, alternating between services for the city, services for business, services for the city, and back again. Now one of the things that they're doing or have been doing in the last uh, couple of years is um, going to building property owners and saying, look, we will give you guys a discount on uh, fiber services. In other words, we'll bring the fiber into your buildings um, uh, allow you to sell it to your business uh, tenants at a you know at a low rate if you market the service as one of the reasons for moving into the business. And the only reason for doing that is that uh, companies would say, oh, I need uh, high speed access, and so you know I got a good deal on the rent, I got a good deal on the broadband, and boom, they moved in. And so they have now started a, like a this momentum building to fill vacant properties. Uh, by using uh, the relationship between the city uh, manager's office and building property owners and broadband, is that a is that a workable scenario? Do you think, given what you know of the dynamics of Longmont and, and its business community? No, oh, I, I think absolutely uh, that's a workable scenario. Uh, in fact, uh, it, it's interesting. There's um, there's already facilities here in Longmont that are in part of business parks. So we've got this great incubator, uh, the Longmont Entrepreneurial Network. It's a high-tech incubator here in Longmont. And those guys don't have broadband choices, even though the city fiber goes right past the front of the building. But they can't tap into it. They can't get access to it because of the law. And um, I know of a number of buildings here um, that have uh, difficulty getting access to uh, commercial buildings that have difficulty getting access to high broadband, you know, either high capacity broadband or higher speed broadband. Um, but the city fiber is right there, and if they could tap into it, they'd have it immediately. And so, I think this is going to have when this thing passes. 
I think this will have a significant impact. You know, to John's point about, you know, jobs and businesses coming here, it's going to be part of a complete package. You know, just like you said, Craig, you know, right now we can do a great deal for you on the buildings and we can do a great deal for you on power and the city's got a handle on all that. But on the communications front, we can't help you so much. You know, here's the guys you got to call. It would be a great thing for the city to be able to say, you bet, we got that handled too. What else do you need? Mm-hmm. Now, on another, I know I'm bouncing around here a lot, but I'm going to try to give folks a feel for, you know, what the real possibilities are based on other people's successes. So in Ontario, uh, Ontario County, New York, they built, the county built a uh, fiber network, and they own the infrastructure, and private uh, service providers come on board to deliver um, services to directly to businesses and consumers. Now, one of the things that they did in Ontario is they went to Verizon and said, look, you guys have these cell towers. We can give you fiber that will make your cell towers more effective, in essence, boosting the large companies' um, infrastructure operations. Could you see, as, as much as Comcast doesn't like you now, but could you see a future in which you know you guys could go to a Comcast or Verizon? I'm not sure who the the, the wireless carrier is incumbent is, but going to these folks and say, look, you know this 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 infrastructure exists, have at it for a price, yeah, of it, course. <laughs> yeah, interestingly, yeah, for a price, of course, but a reasonable price, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, there are a number of uh, towers right here in Longmont. Uh, so AT&T and Verizon are the two primary um, wireless carriers in the area here. And mm-hmm. there are a number of towers in Longmont that these guys are already on. And, again, uh, I've gone over all the maps, all the fiber maps in town, and um, everything is right, you know, either right along the fiber route or very close, a, a very easy short build-out uh, to get fiber to those um, towers. Um, I could definitely see that becoming uh, an opportunity for the city. And, in fact, uh, a number of those towers are owned by citizens uh, in town. And if they could get the fiber to their towers, it makes their towers more attractive to people that want to use them to provide wireless broadband. So that could go a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. That... Uh... That's definitely got some potential. It's interesting to me to watch these battles unfold when the incumbents dig in their heels and they moan and complain about uh, the city this and the city that and on and on and on and woe mercy is me you know, and all that kind of crazy stuff. Yet when you get past the battle and then you have the asset in place, you say, look, you know, we're still here and we still have this asset. And then all of a sudden people turn around. It's like it makes you wonder why we have to have the fight in the first place. Don't you agree? Well, I, th- I think the, the fight in the first place is actually a fairly significant um, and but, but very easy thing to um, establish the, for the purpose of. It's profit. Um, when there's uh, more, more choice in the city of Longmont, um, there's going to be uh, choice creates a downward spiral in price. Downward spiral in price impacts the profits of Comcast or whoever it may be. And in particular, if there's more choice, then you know maybe maybe some people are disillusioned with the cable company and think, you know what, I'd rather I'd rather work with somebody else for a period of time. Now it doesn't mean to say that the cable company does gets shut out completely. 
you know, there's no reason why they can't continue to work with the city on that uh, fiber optic network, deliver high-speed services, but just at a price that's reasonable and at a quality that's reasonable. It's really just, uh, it's, this, is, this is market dynamics when it really comes down to it. They want to preserve their profit. We want to increase consumer choice. And between the two of those things, we'll, we'll eventually find some solution. And hopefully we will at some point reach, I don't know, some level of sanity where we just won't have to fight the battle that folks will figure out, you know, we could be, we could be achieving all of those benefits um, which there are benefits in a multi-competitor environment, and people who just get to that point faster and just save a lot of, you know, a lot of headache. But that's maybe just my humble opinion. So, in, <laughs> <laughs> so in Powell, Wyoming, uh, not that far from where you guys are, and also Monticello, uh, Minnesota, these are two examples of what folks might call a true public-private partnership. It's a case where the city has ownership in the network, um, or the infrastructure, as in the case of Ontario County, and the usually a lead provider has a uh, stake, uh, financial stake in the infrastructure, but at the same time, there's still open access. So it's not an exclusive partnership per se. It is, but to build a network, they form the partnership to move the project forward. Um, of the various options that fall, you know, in in that realm there in Longmont, you know, do you think that folks would lean to to the public-private partnership as as an option? Uh, would they might lean toward, you know, the city already owns the assets, so really all we want to do is just, you know, bring people on board to deliver services. You know, I mean, how, how do you see maybe the partnership dance evolving? I think the the uh, you know the city's stated over and over that they are very keen um, to partner on this thing, but again, if you look at the history of this town and the uh, people in this town, when they decide that a thing ought to get done, they just get it done, like you know starting their own power company a hundred years ago, um, and now providing the lowest rates in the United States. And I can tell you from living here for the last um, you know almost two decades now. Um, these guys are fantastic uh, in the way they operate this thing and, and the level of service you get. So, you know, I would say that the folks who have been in town here for a long time, uh, they'd love for the city to do this because the city does a real good job at the things that the city does. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But, you know, the city's been real, real open and adamant about, you know, partnering up with, you know, a firm, multiple firms, to utilize this network. I think what they want to do, you know, they've got a fantastic asset here. It's as viable today as it was when it was built in 1997. We know that for a fact because the city uses it today, and the hospital uses it. And the hospital is a big hospital, and this is a critical uh, piece of their operation and their and their ability to uh, serve this community, and they've been on it, you know, for you know, over a decade now. And it works just fine, and I think the city's going to, you know, if this referendum passes, the city's going to go, okay, anybody want to part with us, partner with us, going once, going twice, no, okay, fine, we'll do it. And they'll get it done. Uh, and getting it done isn't going to be much because, like I said, it's already up and running. Right, right. And on top of that, to be honest, I mean, you've got the, the whole nature of the public-private partnership is, is, is an attractive one in, the, in today's political environment. People want to know that their government is actually going to work with enterprise, with citizens, to create something that works for everybody. 
And when a city can demonstrate that that can be done, again, it attracts investment because it proves, proves to other businesses, we can get this stuff done. We can get your, if, if there's a particular need you have, we can get that done too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do one more stop on our broadband tour across America. Uh, there's a city that came to my attention just a couple of days ago, Danville, Virginia. And the the part of their story that came out uh, came out was they have a um, they seem to have a, a, a lot of doctors' offices, m- clinics, and uh, other medical facilities that are all sort of offshoot of the main hospital. So there's like an ecosystem, if you will, of various supporting businesses and or or or, or offices. And um, one of the local dentists created uh, some momentum behind uh, opening three or four different uh, practices and absorbing a couple and so forth, but all the practices all across town are connected via broadband. So in essence, that's growth you know, tied directly to broadband because without the broadband, you wouldn't be able to, to, to do the communication and passing dental records back and forth and so forth and so on. Um, does Longmont have a, uh, a, a notable, a notably, you know, notable size uh, medical community, and could similar kinds of activities start to to take place where these offices start to, you know, interconnect and 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 in essence strengthen their business, but also obviously strengthen their medical services to the community. Yeah, I think we've got a very uh, similar setup here. Um, I don't have the yellow pages uh, in front of me. Oh, I could just go online and take a look. But, uh, <laughs> yellow pages, really? <laughs> yellow pages? What are those? What are those? If you can make uh, it work, there, Vince, if you can make it work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you no, know, there are quite a few um, medical offices, law offices, dental offices here. And like I said, we've got a, a, a really nice uh, hospital here. And, in fact, a number of clinics as well that are tied to that hospital um, where, you know, what you're describing, Craig, could, could definitely come into play and enhance um, what they're doing. Um, also, the businesses here that, that Longmont has already attracted uh, are very high-tech businesses. I mean, you know, Intel's here, Microsoft's here, uh, other names that, that might not be as well-known, but uh, Amgen is here, um, Seagate. This is Seagate's uh, headquarters, you know, the hard drives that are running in everybody's mm-hmm. computers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ability to enhance those folks' um, uh, connectivity inter intercommunity and outside of the community would be tremendous. I, I think that's part of what probably gets the the uh, incumbents, if you will, a little, you know, um, uh, riled up about this whole thing as well because they think they can see that too. And... Um, I think I think it'll be very interesting when this thing passes, uh, and there I am being uh, very optimistic. Um, but uh, I think that that um, some really interesting things will happen in this community, both on the in the medical arena, in the business arena, and I know you're going to hear a bunch of residents jumping up and down, going, "Okay, now when are you going to turn me on?" Because they were doing right. it last time. Mm-hmm. Now, one of one of my uh, <clears throat> one of the audience in the chat room brought up. Uh, a question about um, that, that involves Lusk, uh, Wyoming, and their network basically was a failure because Quest refused to connect to them. And I know that's 
that can be a vulnerability spot because at some point you have to connect these community networks to a bigger provider and they can get really nasty about the process. Um, are you guys, either by virtue of having owned the fiber for as long as you have or through some other ways, feel that this won't be a problem uh, for you, that you won't have an issue of you know, not being able to get service that's critical to making the whole thing work? Yeah, th this uh, this fiber network's already connected to um, two major carriers through a number of redundant routes. Okay. So not not going to be an issue here. Okay, um, but that is but but for others that is I assume uh, one of the issues that they kind of have to address at some point or other. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, that's the thing. You know, you it, it gets pretty interesting, right? And I'm surprised that that quest wouldn't connect to them and that they could actually do that um uh, because the um telecommunications industry is uh, partially is subsidized uh with taxpayer dollars and um there's certain things that they have to do like sell right. each other and provide access uh equal access um i'm really surprised that that would you know I would check the facts on that and make sure that 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 was the case. And if it was, uh, you know, the community might want to get a little noisy about that because legally, I don't think they can do that. Right. I do know there are some legalities, and it is tied to the fact that they take uh, they they ironically again they they take taxpayer money. Um, but it was just yeah. it was just the one question. So I don't I haven't done any kind of research at all. I just kind of point that up because I've heard a similar question being brought up in other places, and I know that. Um, even when I was doing a project myself here in California, uh, the question was, okay, well, you know, we got AT&T, we got Comcast. Well, we got a link to one of those two, and what if they decide they don't want to play nice? You know, um, I guess this was a this was a few years ago. I'm getting from the from the chat room. Uh, let, let's move on. So, let's talk about businesses. Okay, we'll come back to this thing, the discussion of businesses. Vince, you're a business person. Um, you've, you've had a business for a while. Uh, Jonathan, you're a freelance business person. You know, these these networks are often positioned as, oh, the government is competing with the private sector. It isn't really true. You know, cause, and, and especially in your case, because if you follow the logic of the incumbents, the city would be competing with you as a provider of telecom services. Right. Yeah, and you know what? In in uh, I get asked that a lot, and you can imagine you know, people looking at me and go, "Why are you supporting this? How come you're not in Comcast camp?" You know, and, and the first reason I give is well because I live here, uh, as well as have a business here, and um, just inherently, if I if I just put on my citizen of the community hat, this is the right thing for the community. Now, if I go put on my business hat, sure, but the city. Um, uh, compete against me? You bet. That just means that we've got to be competitive. Are they going to compete against me unfairly? I don't think so. Um, I've not seen anything, and it doesn't even make sense for them to compete unfairly. You know, the city, it's funny when, when you think about it, right? Um, John, you brought up a good point uh, earlier. You know, what's the motivation for the different parties, right? Businesses, the motivation is the shareholders. The, the the city, the motivation is the community. Those are their shareholders, and those shareholders vote them in and out all the time. And so, you know, they're they're not looking to try and put 
um, other providers out of business. In fact, it's to the benefit of the community for other providers to be here and be able to provide the lowest cost, best service possible. And that's exactly the situation that the city of Longmont is trying to create by getting um, this ballot issue passed. So, you know, at the end of the day, it would even work to the benefit of the big guys that are here. They might have to change their, their way of thinking and their way of doing things a little bit. You know, instead of having to own everything and build everything, use assets that are already available and give something back to the community instead of just taking out of it, uh, which is, might be a little bit of a stretch for them, but um, <laughs> you know, we can hope. The, the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. So, what about what your you know your fellow business owners? You know, how is the business community uh, lining up with this whole in- initiative? Well, um, there's two uh, uh, major business um organizations here Longmont Area Economic Council and then the Chamber of Commerce the Longmont Area so last go round in 2009 both of those entities uh took a neutral stance um and I got to believe probably because you know uh, members of those entities also include uh, Comcast and CenturyLink mm-hmm. um this time LAAC has already come out uh publicly and 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 quite um uh, aggressively saying we are for this, we support it. This makes sense for Longmont. Let's do it. And we're supposed to hear from the Chamber of Commerce this week uh, mm-hmm. as to whether uh, they're going to come out. I know they're not going to come out against it. They may come out neutral. Best case is they come out for it. Right. Okay. Now I have a sort of a philosophical question for both of you. Um, I had this discussion a couple days ago with someone who I have crossed swords with a number of times on communities having the right to build and own their own networks. He's basically very pro, uh, very against that, uh, typically, and, and you guys know where I stand on the whole issue. But in this discussion, um, I don't know, the heavens parted and, and bipartisanship kind of dove, came down on the dove or something. But he goes, um, you know, we shouldn't confuse big government with local government, and we shouldn't assume that what's good for big business is necessarily good for local small businesses. And not everything, and his point being not everything that either big government or big business does is good for the local communities, and we need to divorce this discussion so that whereas I've seen, you know, oh, you know, this is just another big government thing, and, you know, let's fight big government. When they're talking about Longmont's initiative, and yet here's someone who is, you know, very much a free market advocate saying, you know, we, we're we getting confused between big government and local. We're getting confused between big business and local business. Is that a truism? What do you guys think about that? Either one of you can start. I first. think, I mean, I think to be perfectly honest, you've got a, um, the, the, the term is partnership. If you can... If you can have a partnership between big big government and big business, big government, small business, whatever, it doesn't really matter as long as the two of them have the same goal in mind. But at the moment, what we have is a situation where those goals are mutually exclusive. Um, what this initiative is, is designed to do is to try and make those goals more compatible for um, for everybody. You know, we don't want to, I mean, nobody wants to kick Comcast out of Longmont. But on the other hand, there are plenty of people who think that their pricing, because it's a virtual monopoly, is somewhat unfair. So people want 
want them to compete with somebody, and the only way to open that up is to pass this initiative. So I think people just want want uh, what's fair. If they and and that's a consumer viewpoint, I guess. But um, you know, Comcast can certainly provide their service without having to uh, make people feel as if they're being absolutely kind of you know taken advantage of every every time they get their bill. Mm-hmm. Vince, what do you think? I think there's a huge difference between um, you know federal, state, and local governments. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm uh, neighbors um, with everybody uh, who operates in the city here and uh, works in this local government, as is most of everybody else who's in this community. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get hold of any uh, council member or really anybody uh, involved with the city government and go have lunch with them and talk to them about what they're doing and how I feel about it and all that. You know, I can't talk to anybody even in the state. I mean, I can, but it takes a long time to get hold of anybody, and they're just going to sit there and listen to me and nod a little bit and then forget that we had a conversation and forget right. the federal government altogether, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a, there's a big difference between the three of them. There's certainly a big difference between big business and little business. Having worked in both and having started a number of um, my own companies, and um, you know, I think that uh, I, I'm all for keeping the big government out of my business. In fact, that's what we're trying to do here is get the mm-hmm. state government out of our mm-hmm. local business and telling us that we can't, you know. I did a um, at the Chamber of Commerce meeting, I, I did a little analogy where I asked everybody, you know, who drove to the meeting this morning. Everybody put their hands up, and I said, okay, well, I just pal- passed the ballot issue that says you cannot drive your own cars because it's dangerous and you could get hurt. So my limo company will be coming around to pick you up in the morning and get you where you need to be. It might not get you quite there, but it'll get you close. And it might be more expensive than driving your own car, but, hey, you're going to be safe. <laughs> and you won't hurt yourself. <laughs> I mean, that would go you know, well, I, right? Yeah, and Vince, I thought it was interesting that um, at that meeting, the people who turned up to defend um, the, the the large incumbents were not from Longmont. They were not. They no. Nope. One was from Colorado so, Springs and the other was from Denver. There was nobody from Longmont defending uh, those guys. That is an interesting development. I, I find it uh, not unusual, but, you know, it's the, the disturbing aspect of all of these battles, and I've been, you know, involved or following a lot of them closely, that a lot of the biggest noisemakers against the community are not people who live there. Their kids don't go to school there. You know, the the the, the owners of whatever companies they represent are in another state somewhere. You know, where and in fact, this brings me up to a question. I, I know that the typical sane human being will not ask this question, and truly, the cynic will not ask this question. But is this election fair? Is it fair? I mean, you basically um, got small town versus all the mighty minions of Comcast at all. And they're going to spend a bazillion dollars. Well, you know, they're going to spend a lot. <laughs> they've said they're going to spend a lot. Yeah, they, yeah, they spent $245,000 last time. Um, but, you know, the, 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 there's, a, there's a truth that as long as we educate the public about, and, is, you know, we don't have to spend thousands of dollars, um, you know, misleading anybody and hoodwinking them and, and all that kind of stuff. We just let, need to let people know the truth, what they already own and what they can do with it. I think it's fair. 
Okay. Uh, I could I could tell you I, I, from my perspective, having fought this the last time around, I didn't think it was fair. Um, <laughs> there was no way we could combat that engine. I, you know, that was the most money spent ever in the history of Longmont on a single issue. You, you know, um, I heard the numbers the other day. The the um, the last election, all of the money spent by candidates, by issues, by everything else was $15,000 to this one issue, which was a quarter of a million. Holy Moses. Uh-huh. So, you know, and there was no way for us to combat that. I mean, we they flooded our, our mailboxes with this stuff. And, and when people went, you know, people who, and people are not, if it's not an issue that's, you know, a passionate issue for them, it's not natural, really, to go dig and look and figure out what they should do. They, you know, they go, oh, yeah, that 2C thing, yeah, geez, I don't want to give the city council a blank check yet, I'm voting no. I mean, you should have, you should have seen the uh, letters to the editor in the Times call after the election when it came out what 2C was actually about and how it got defeated. People were writing going, well, why didn't the city tell I us didn't, that? Yeah. You know, I didn't understand that's what it was all about, right? <laughs> So, so let me ask this question because we got about uh, about two minutes here. Um, should other communities, you know, pick up their slingshots and go off and fight this David versus Goliath battle? I mean, you're basically saying it's an uphill struggle. Uh, that's putting it mildly, you know. But here you guys are, and you're going to fight it. You know, should you and should other communities be be going at it like this? I think my advice at this point would be. Um, Keep an eye on this one and see what it looks like on November 3rd, mm-hmm. um, and then make your decision then. Because, uh, you know, I, I go back to the one in uh, uh, Minneapolis. I'd like to see a trend start here where if you lose the first time, you win the second time. So. Oh, that's right, because Monticello, uh, Monticello did just that, right. where it was another one of those referendums. I think they got blindsided as well. No one really yep. expected the level of dollars being spent that actually came out, and um, and so they they kind of pulled it all together and and rolled around. So, win or lose, is the battle over? You know, if you guys come out victorious, will you then go from you know fighting and fighting to doing, or or conversely, if it doesn't pass, you know, will you guys roll up and take it home, or will there still be battles to fight after this? Well, I think if it if it doesn't pass, you know, uh, John and I will uh, sit there and, and, you know, convince city council two years from now to go ahead and do it again because what the heck, you know, if it costs the incumbents a quarter of a million dollars every two years, so be it. You know, we'll just keep we'll just keep battling it. Um, if we win, even if sorry, go, go on, ahead, John. No, no, go ahead. Even if even if we don't win it this time, we can convince some people to vote with their fingers and remember that Hulu, Netflix, and Skype. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Exactly. There, there's alternatives, and you guys can still find them somewhere. Yeah. And I think if we win, I think if we win, the the battle probably won't be over. I, I wouldn't. I think what, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the big guys turn their attention again back to the state where they were successful buying the votes, you know, and buying the uh, law the last time. And um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a consortium of cities in Colorado show up at the state level, win or lose here in Longmont. In fact, um, especially if we win and push to get this law repealed statewide. 
Right, okay. Well, we're going to have to call this discussion to a close. I want to thank both of you gentlemen for being here today and our audience. Uh, this has been a very interesting look at the battle for broadband, and I think it's a good uh, cause to keep track of and see what happens. And, again, thank you and best of luck to uh, both of you and to the Longmont itself. And to our audience, thanks again for being here, and we will uh, be on the air next week. So stay tuned and have a great day. Thanks, Greg. Thanks a lot, Greg. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye.